What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 12 of the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera, and I am joined, as always, by Levin Black. Yeah, you got Levin on episode 12. I have my own nightmares of being 11, 12 years old coming back to me. 11, 12, 11, 12. I cannot picture you as an 11 or 12 year old. <laughs> Did you still have that facial hair? Uh, no, this facial hair only became possible like much into my 20s. And even then, it this takes me oh good many months to make look halfway decent. <laughs> uh, I think you got a couple more months to go there. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's basically passable is all I get to. You do have a fantastic hat on today. Tell the people what hat you're wearing. <laughs> I am wearing an, a Chicago Cubs hat that is their old classic logo of the bear standing up holding a bat. They need to bring that back. That is fantastic by you. I don't know why you're wearing a Cubs hat, but that's acceptable. <laughs> uh, well, if you want to know the truth, because I'm working nights and I just woke up. We are recording midday wednesday and i uh, need a haircut a little bit different uh time for us to record and right before we started we got a little breaking news 11 so let's get into that it's not 49ers news but it's niners related and it's the fact that the seahawks have traded for pass rusher carlos dunlap from cincinnati i just saw on twitter Rapport said that the deal includes a player and a draft pick not just a pick so we don't know yet what the compensation is but in terms of the 49ers, 11, Dunlap had been mentioned as a potential target for San Francisco, and we clearly need a pass rusher with Ford out and Bosa gone for the year. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being honest, uh, I don't like this at all because <laughs> I think the Niners have wasted two opportunities this week to get some edge help, which is clearly something they need if they want to truly have a Super Bowl chance. I mean. Let's be honest, if they go if they were to have gone out and got somebody of Carlos Dunlop's quality, which is, you know, he's not a Boza, but he is a Pro Bowl caliber edge defender in most of the time. Two-time Pro Bowler. Right. Two-time Pro Bowler, one of the highest rated edge defenders last year. This year not so much, but he's also had this whole team issue where he's obviously pretty unmotivated to be in Cincinnati. So I think it would have helped a heck of a lot. And then you have the whole Everson Griffin Griffin trade that, you know, if you wanted somebody that's not quite as good, but certainly an upgrade from what the Niners have now. And I think Griffin actually fits the system quite well because he's somebody that play that would swap to defensive tackle at times when he was with the Vikings. They've kind of wasted these opportunities. And of course, Seattle pounces. Now, I want to point out that uh, because of the COVID-19 protocols, he is not going to be eligible to play against the Niners this week. So at least that's good from that perspective. You only have to worry about him in week 17. Who knows? He could be injured by that point, too. But do you think the 49ers were in on him? I think they, at the very least, have kicked the tires. The problem for Carlos Dunlap and the Niners, which this is not the same case for Everson Griffin, is Carlos Dunlap has a decent-sized contract. So this isn't quite the same as going out and getting you know, a bargain of Everson Griffin. So it would have probably taken some other moves to go along with it in order to fit him under the cap. But I think they, at the very least, kicked the tires on it. 
I keep hearing about the 49ers cap situation and how it's going to be tough for them to do something because they're right up against it. I know that Parag and company get a lot of praise for how they handle contracts and stuff, but you know, all of a sudden we're up against the cap now and there's no flexibility to make a move. Does the team deserve any criticism for that? Uh, uh, no, I guess, I guess maybe a little bit you could say, because there are some contracts that were, I wouldn't say they were heavily criticized at the time of their signing, but they raised eyebrows at the time of their signing and have certainly turned out to be not good contracts. And those are the two most obvious uh, cuts that people are talking about after this season. D Ford, Quan Alexander. You know, when Quan Alexander was signed, he was coming off a major injury. Uh, and even though he was a Pro Bowl linebacker, at the time it was the highest contract given to a linebacker in NFL history. So it raised eyebrows and people said, you know, they probably overpaid a little bit there. Well, considering he can't stay healthy, they definitely overpaid there. And that, along with the obvious D Ford contract, which I don't think we need to get in, into the details, everybody knows about that one, is why the Niners don't have cap space. They spent it on two people who can't see the field. Kyle Shanahan has talked about that, and he basically was like, look, you sometimes to get premium talent, you need to take risks on premium talent with injury histories. And well, they've done that now. And I feel like that needs to stop. Like you, your roster is talented enough now where you don't have to roll those dice as much. You're much better off going for someone who's a little less talented, who you have more confidence is going to be out there because your cap dollars are limited. And if they're injured, you get zero value for that money. Right. I mean, like, look at this Carlos Dunlap. He is going to make $5 million for the rest of the year with Seattle, and then he is signed next year for around $11 million. That's a heck of a lot cheaper than what the Niners have paid D Ford. And he's probably, when you look at overall quality, every bit as valuable as a D Ford. Because D Ford, no question, is the better pass rusher when he's healthy. But D Ford also does not play on obvious rundowns. He does not play on first down much. Whereas Carlos Dunlap is somebody like Boza who can play each and every down because he's really good against the run and he's also a good edge defender. Whereas D Ford's pretty much only an edge rusher. Do you think that part of the reason maybe the 49ers haven't been making moves is because they say, hey, look, maybe we get Ford back, maybe we get Blair back, maybe we get Taylor back, and we just you know, we'll sort of, it's almost like making a trade if, you know, in that instance, because you're still getting this influx of talent that can help you later in the year and you don't have to give up anything for it. I honestly think what's going on is they know next year could be a major issue with the cap because it could be a lower cap depending on proceeds from this year. And I think they've honestly decided we have so many injuries this year that Hey, if we can win, great. But we're not going to make moves that take away cap space in the future to try to win this year when we've had so many injuries out there. Boza's not coming back. You know, I think D4 is unlikely to come back. But, you know, they've, I don't want to say punted on this year, but they have decided we're not spending money this year. We're going to save it for next year, which might be the wiser play in reality because there's, still somebody like Fred Warner who is going to get a massive contract. And if you waste cap space this year, it means you have less next year. You know, if the, the Niners went out and got Carlos Dunlop, 
They have an $11 million cap hit next year. Even if they cut D Ford, D Ford has, I think it's like $14 million in dead cap hit next year if he's cut. So that means you're spending essentially $25 million on that edge spot between the two of them. They can't really do that. So the Niners might have to be looking at a bargain edge defender next year to replace Ford because they have the huge cap hit. But like, I think fans worry way too much about the salary cap. Like way too much. We defend teams for for sometimes letting talent walk out the door in terms of for money reasons, for financial reasons. Like, I know it's a different sport, but look at the Red Sox and Mookie Betts, right? Like, oh yeah, we can't afford, we need financial flexibility, you know, so we have to let, we have to trade Mookie Betts away. It's like, well, no, because you use that flexibility to acquire a guy that's as good as Mookie Betts. So it's kind of the same thing for the 49ers. Like, yeah, you need cap space to sign guys, but you also need the dudes. You need the talent on the team to spend the money on. And so, I don't know. Look, the cap generally goes up every year. It might go down next year because of COVID, but in the future, going forward, it's going to go up every year. So I feel like as much as teams talk about the salary cap and when they're up against it, like how many teams are really in super crazy salary cap hell, you know, in recent history? It doesn't happen. It's not like it was back in the day. No, I mean, look at Dallas. They continue to pay people. I mean... Dak hasn't gotten a long-term contract, but he's one of the highest-paid quarterbacks due to the franchise tag. Zeke is, well, I think uh, McCaffrey has passed him by now, but he was the highest-paid running back. Omari Cooper got a massive contract. You got guys on the defense who have massive contracts. You got guys on the offensive line that have massive contracts. They've been able to afford it. Part of that is they haven't spent a lot of money in areas that I don't know if they deem it less worthwhile of a position <clears throat> yeah Excuse me. or if they they're more confident in finding cheap options you know what i mean but they've been able to do it same with the rams you know the rams do have cap issues coming because they basically the way that the rams have done it was they basically backloaded every single big contract they've given out the last couple of years in order to be able to re-sign a ramsey the niners are not wanting to go that route they want to build basically a dynasty model they don't want to go here's our five-year window we're pushing everything into those five years they want continued success you know every single year where they never have this okay we got to rebuild now problem is with the cap situation always going up you can kind of push more for now because you're going to have more cap space in the future that's the difference, right? It's it's knowing when to make that push and knowing when to pull back. Now, you're saying that maybe they're pulling back for this year because of everything that's happened and, and the salary cap situation. I think planning out a five-year plan in the NFL makes no sense. To me, I've heard the expression, and I totally agree with it, every contract in the NFL is a three-year contract. The windows open and close so fast. I mean, look at the Jags. I mean, they were in the AFC Championship game. You could argue they should have won that AFC Championship game if the refs don't blow the fumble recovery dead and stop that play from happening. They were there, and they were loaded with talent. And now look at the Jags. They're you know competing for the top pick in the draft, what, like three years later? Life happens fast, as they say. <laughs> you can't plan for five and six years down the road in the NFL. It just doesn't work. And I hope that the 49ers, I know you have to keep an eye on the long term as well, but you can't you can't ignore what's happening in the immediate future. No. And let's be honest. The Niners are a good example of it. Currently they're in the last place in their division. They might be four and three, but they're in last place of their division. And everybody was saying, you know, the Niners are going to be 
a really great team for the foreseeable future. Well, injuries, let's be honest, might wreck that. They might have major injury issues every year. I mean, they kind of have, but there's a possibility. What app, How good is this team and this defense if Boza is never quite the same? Because Boza, if he has one one downside, I would say his his the thing that he is worst at or he lacks the most is he doesn't really have crazy burst. You know what I mean? He is ridiculously talented in technique. He's ridiculously talented in his strength, and he's got good quickness for how strong he is, which makes him a dominant player. But in reality, he doesn't have an elite burst like D Ford. That doesn't mean he's going to be ineffective. But if this knee injury means he doesn't get off the line as fast as he was, how great is he when he doesn't have that elite speed already? You know what I mean? It's a question. It's a question. It's a question. You don't know. Right. He might be, instead of a defensive player of the year quality player, a he can make multiple Pro Bowls. I'm not saying he's going to be you know, a terrible player. Because his technique is so good, he's going to remain effective even if he becomes really slow. But he just might not be that defensive player of the year anymore. And if you don't have that and you also cut D Ford, you, you don't really have that dominant defensive line. I mean, look at two weeks ago. We were talking about draft picks and if we could get if we <laughs> finished high enough to get a quarterback, right? Like that was the talk. So forget about six-year window. Two weeks ago, we were talking about the draft. So, I mean, it's crazy. And, you know, maybe this is just the fan side of me that, you know, is eager to see the Twitter my Twitter timeline blow up with news <laughs> of a 49ers trade. Like, yeah, we're in the middle of the season right now. Do I care about 2021 right now? No, I want to see them win the Super Bowl this year. So I could just be tempted by that. But I don't know. You can't always plan for the future. I mean, six months ago, I didn't think I'd have this job. So stuff happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a year ago, I didn't even really know you. <laughs> yeah, it was a better life, really. <laughs> oh, yeah. Being, uh, being PFT's little, oh, I'll be nice and not call you the, the B Producer? Yeah. I think the word yeah. you're searching for is producer. Well, as somebody that's been a producer, you know that that role, you're kind of, in a lot of ways, the uh, boy of the talent. I would never. I was an executive producer, so I would take offense <laughs> to that. Yeah, you know damn well what I mean. You're you're the guy, yes, you kind of hold things together when you're the producer. But in a lot of ways, you're also, when the talent, especially in that situation of PFT, where the talent is PFT, what he says goes. So when he says, do this, do that. You fill a lot of roles. Let's just say that you wear a lot of hats <laughs> as the producer. Um, let's quickly move off this conversation because I feel like it's going down a dark and lonely road. Um, and we mentioned safety play. So let's get to that because there, there's been a lot of breakdown of the Patriots game on the network. And we don't want to do that again. Cause you've probably already heard some of that, but one thing you did want to look at, cause I saw you getting into it on Twitter yesterday. Levin is me. You want to talk you want to talk about Jimmy and who doesn't want to talk about Jimmy, but not that Jimmy. You actually want to talk about Jimmy Ward for a change because people are throwing him out the door because of how well the Niners deep played with Tavarius Moore and uh, Marcel Harris at safety. Right. It, it is very odd to me. And that's how I phrased it on Twitter that Tavarius Moore has one game 
where yes, he played great. And I want to be, you know, upfront right now, not to toot my own horn, but I was on the more train a long time ago. Cause prior to last season, yeah. Prior to last season, I named him my breakout player of the year. Now that ended up not going all that well because he did get an opportunity due to injury and he played so-so. He had some uh, issues with his angles, shall we say, when he was a safety and allowed some uh, bigger plays. But I thought he had a lot of potential and I thought he was a future quality starter down the road. So I want more to succeed. This is not me saying I don't like more. But I don't get how what he did last week means Jimmy Ward is, you know, replaceable all of a sudden. He, he yes, had a good game, but who did they play? Like, na- name a good receiver on the Patriots. Some people might say Edelman, but I think he's been exposed to this year as being exactly what a lot of people were saying. He's an average receiver that was propped up by Brady, who was a perfect quarterback for him. So, I mean, the Patriots have had a quarterback that was clearly off, couldn't throw the ball accurately at all, and they don't have good receivers. So him having this great game against the Patriots, I don't believe suddenly elevates him to, yeah, get rid of Jimmy Ward, which is what a lot of people are saying on Twitter, that you know, they're, they're saying basically cut Ward, even though he just got signed to a contract that is not that bad of a contract, by the way. And it also doesn't make sense to me because Jimmy Ward, if he's cut, has a dead cap hit of nine and a half million. You're not saving any money by cutting him. It just doesn't make sense. I don't I don't get it. This is the the Twitter topic of the week that it drives me nuts because it's to me just so uninformed. It's people going, Hey, Moore is better because he had this one great game, so let's cut the guy that he would replace without actually looking at the situation. Why do we do that as fans? I've, we're, we're just like, we're so reactionary. One game, Jimmy's awesome, and he's the guy we're going to keep around. The next game, cut him. Who can we get in the draft? Like, And especially even with wins and losses, we do it. If the team wins, everybody played great. If the team loses, they all suck. Like, We got to stop this, man. We're better than this. It's It's just not that simple. You can't just, you know, make these huge assumptions about players based on one game or such a small sample size. Like, Calm down. And if, by the way, if you're going to let go of any of their safeties, you're going to let go of Tart because he's a free agent. You don't have to cut him. There's no cap problems. So you're, you're not letting go of Jimmy Ward after a year after you sign him. It's just not happening. Right. And I'm not going to name names here, but I think our listeners can kind of connect the dots. But it's not just fans saying this. There's one writer in particular who is throwing it out there that the Niners should trade Ward for whatever they can get because more is better. Name, 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 name. Oh, you want me to name the name? Yeah, call him out. It's Grant Cohn, because of course. Oh, Grant. (laughs) It's what he does. Oh, this guy had one good game? He's better than the guy he's backing up he should be starting. Oh, Nick Mullins is better than Jimmy Ward because he had one great game. How'd that work out for you? Like, there's not enough substance on the damn field for you to know this, for one. Like, I hate that type of thing. And I think Grant Cohn, he he has a reputation, and I think it's one worse than the reality of it. I think he's 
a good guy with a reputation, and I think he he's actually really smart and knows exactly what he's doing when he oh, posts yeah. these things. He's a shitster. Yes, uh, he knows w- what he's getting when he posts these things, but at the same time, his reputation's a little bit deserved <laughs> because he does this every week. He looks for okay, who's the backup who played for an injured guy and did well, so I can say he's better and they should trade the other guy. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. That's what he does, and that's what he's doing with Jimmy Ward. <laughs> that's what he's doing yeah, with Jimmy I, Ward. We, yeah, we got to be better than that with these crazy swings of these guys, the evaluations of these guys. And then, of course, what do we do? We look. Oh, look, PFF had him graded at this. That's higher than this guy's been great. Like, no, you, you just stop. Like, let's let's just calm down. Um, all right. I think we've exhausted the safety conversation. I don't want to bash Grant too much because and I've said this every time I talk about my frustrations with him. He's a nice guy. He's one of the nicest guys that I've talked to in the media. I, I love talking with Grant. I've gone on his show before. We haven't had him on this podcast yet. And it doesn't seem like that's going to be happening in the near future, but he's a good dude. I just, I disagree with sometimes some of the stuff he says. Uh, if we're being honest, he probably disagrees with some of the stuff he says. <laughs> he probably disagrees <laughs> with some of the stuff we say. That's fine. <laughs> Let's take a break, and when we come back, we want to dive into a little bit of uh, Seahawks strategy for this week. You brought up something before we started recording that would be a change for the 49ers, but it's maybe one they need to make this week. So we'll talk about that when we come back. We are back, Levin, and I have found the compensation for the Carlos Dunlap trade to the Seattle Seahawks. Per Albert Breer on Twitter, they are sending center B.J. Finney and a 2021 seventh round draft pick to Cincinnati for Carlos Dunlap. So it's basically a bag of cats for the Seahawks to get a guy that clearly wanted out of Cincinnati. I mean, (laughs) that's a worthless draft pick. And if it's any offensive lineman coming out of Seattle, it's a worthless player as well. (laughs) So what? Okay, so then the 49ers couldn't have done that. I. I don't know how they would have made the cap work. They would have, because they don't have, this isn't signing a guy, so you don't get to do the cap shenanigans of it. They would have had to find a couple million dollars in cap space. I know where they can find a couple million in cap space. Just to make this work instantly, they would have to have made or found a couple million dollars in cap space. Where would that have been? You know where they can get a couple million dollars. You know it. Where? restructure Jimmy Garoppolo. They could free up a well, load of cap true. space by doing that, but they don't want to because they don't know if they're keeping him. Yeah, they don't want to commit. They they are the, uh, they're on the fence. They're the not getting off the pot, stuck in the middle situation of Jimmy is too good to let walk, but not good enough to be fully satisfied and not kick tires on other possibilities. <laughs> That's where the, yep, that's exactly right. That's why it hurts you when you don't have uncertainty. The, the more uncertainty you have, the harder it is to run your team and to make moves and to make plans. And when you have uncertainty, the most important position in sports, you get paralyzed and you miss out on some things. And that's clearly what happened here with the Niners. Right. As far as not doing that, I don't know where else they would have come up with a couple million dollars because there's not really an obvious they can cut him right now and get that money because you know if you cut a d ford right now his dead cap becomes all of it and they only have half of this year's left on this season so if they were to cut him now in the middle of the season his dead cap would cause his actual cap hit currently to go up if that makes sense so you couldn't really cut anybody 
and including somebody in trade, who is the guy right now that actually has some kind of trade value that makes a couple million dollars or more? Like there isn't really an obvious one out there. So that's what it is. Seattle gets a little better, presumably, certainly better than anything they had. The 49ers, I, you count Jordan Willis, great. Who knows? We'll see how that works out. Hopefully some of these injured guys come back because they, if they do, then this is not an issue. But they were supposed to come back earlier. Now they're not coming back. Who's had a setback? Who's had this and that? So we'll see. You know, I can't really hold my breath on those guys. But it is possible that the 49ers do get an influx of talent later this year. And let's just be clear here. I think there is certainly criticism that can be thrown John Lynch's way. And depending on how much you think Kyle Shanahan is involved in these trade negotiations in the middle of the season, Kyle Shanahan as well, because they jumped the gun. Let's be honest here. They went out and traded for Jordan Willis. They didn't really trade much of anything in reality, but we've now seen a week later, you know, they just announced the Willis trade officially as of this podcast when it comes out, you know, less than 48 hours yep. ago. So they just announced that in a week, within a week, they could have gotten Everson Griffin or Carlos Dunlop for pretty much the same value. But those guys were available then too, right? I mean, presumably, wouldn't they have investigated them? Right. That's why they deserve some criticism here. It is 100%, in my opinion, what I said earlier. They have no interest in trading for somebody that makes them deal with a cap hit and takes away cap space next year. That's why they traded for the no-name guy who is paid nothing. And they weren't willing to trade for the Everson Griffin guy who only has a $3 million cap hit for the remainder of the year. Like Even that was too much, which I think deserves criticism because if you're saying get Jordan Willis at league minimum or get Everson Griffin for 3 million. That's a no brainer. Go for Everson Griffin. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think they jumped the gun. I honestly think that they decided, you know what? We can get a guy with potential that will be here on a cheap deal and we'll be good with that. And then they make that trade and Griffin goes for less than they thought. And now Dunlop. Dunlop, like we said, there was a cap situation there that was more difficult. The Niners definitely could have afforded Griffin because they only needed to make a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of cap space. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. You know, I mean, theoretically, it's possible that Jordan Willis outplays those guys. I highly doubt it. But, you know, if you're a Seahawks, if you're a Seahawks fan, you have to be excited that the team is at least recognizing their trash defense and trying to do something about it. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I did tease earlier a change that you want that you think we might see this week to the Niners offense against the Seahawks. Uh, what do you think that we could see this week right out of the gate when the Niners get the ball? They could be coming out passing. This could be the Jimmy Garoppolo game. The Seahawks are not just a bad defense. They are, at this point, a historically bad secondary. They're giving up almost 370 yards per game through the air so far this year. That is horrendous. It's, I think, about 35 yards worse than second worst Atlanta Falcons. And the Atlanta Falcons, by the way, are about 50 yards worse than third place. So in reality, the Seahawks are 
more than 80 yards worse than the third worst pass defense. They're that bad. I mean, it's it's a massive. This would be by far the worst pass defense the NFL has ever seen if it ends up going this way. So the Niners, especially with the way their running back situation is, even though Hasty's good, he's pretty much the only guy left. They could come out and decide we're coming out and we're passing and we're going to go against what we normally do and just go and attack the Seahawks at their weakest point. Oh, I don't know. I mean, how comfortable do you feel coming out and saying, here, Jimmy, take the ball, especially knowing that Russell Wilson is going to be able to move the ball and he's going to be able to put up points and and that the the path to victory that has worked so well for the 49ers has been run the ball, stay ahead of the chains, and only let Jimmy pass when he has to. It is certainly a risk because if you come out passing and have a quick three and out, you could be behind the eight ball really quickly because Wilson could then march down, put up points, and now you're down by double digits really quickly in this game if the passing game does not work in the beginning. But you'll also have to, at a certain point, decide that you're going to trust your quarterback and you're going to win or lose with him. I mean, this matchup is so favorable to passing that if you're unwilling to pass in this game, then what are you doing? Like, it's clear you do not want that quarterback on your team at that point. Yeah, and that's what this year is supposed to be about, right? This is supposed to be the make-or-break year for Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, if it is, okay, but you have to give him a chance to to make it or break it. Like, you have to, you have to know. Um, it would go a long way for Jimmy to have a good game this week. Like, this would, if he had, comes out and, you know, puts up 300 yards and throws for three touchdowns, that goes a long way, especially in the mind of the fans about whether or not they should keep Garoppolo. Right. This is, to me, his sink or swim game, and it should be played that way. Shanahan should come out passing, and if Jimmy is incapable of making it work against a secondary that is this bad, you have your answer. That's true. If Jimmy can't dominate in a game against this defense, he's not the guy. And, you know, is it also part of is part of the decision-making? Like, you're down to Jamichael Hasty at running back which I'm excited to see as a side note, but like you can't, you know, maybe you don't want to give him 30 carries because you need a guy that can actually stay in the damn game. So you got to rely on Jimmy a little more just to save your running backs who seemingly are dropping like flies every week. Right. Like that is a legitimate thing, especially with the fact that you don't have Debo who was lining up in the backfield on a couple of plays. So he was kind of almost spelling the running backs on some of those plays while well, he's gone now. I don't see them doing that with Ayuk. So, yeah, there's a legitimate concern there that you don't want to give Hasty a whole bunch of touches. You, you want to give him enough to make the run game still a threat and because he's probably going to find some success here, but you don't want to overuse him because you don't have another option. I mean, who's going to be the backup in this game? That's unknown yet because Jet, who they seemingly well, gave a week off to, yeah. basically. I guess I keep forgetting about Jet because they. So <laughs> yeah, they refuse to use him. It's odd because he has he been great. No, I think there there's an 
I've been debating whether or not that's on McKinnon or whether or not that's just he has not gotten uh, good blocking on his plays because he's constantly getting hit at the line. And But is that because his burst is gone? Because it seems like his burst is gone to a certain degree. It's probably a little of both. Like when he broke that huge run against the Jets, you could he didn't he didn't have it, man. He had nothing yeah. when he got in the open field. There was no extra gear there. DK Metcalf would have had no trouble running him down if that was the uh, the situation. So yeah, maybe you know maybe they do throw the ball a little more. And if they do with Debo out, you assume the kiddo's going to get double teamed. So that kind of leaves one guy who could make a big impact in the game. And it's a lot of pressure for for Ayuk here as a rookie in a huge game against a division rival to have to be that number one guy, what, eight games into his NFL career. Yeah, but that's why you took him in the first round. That's why you passed on a CD, CD Lamb and other receivers who are doing quite well. I mean, this rookie class of receivers is ridiculous at this point. Yeah. Um, but let's just say, and you're kind of teasing the topic, and I think it's time to talk about it, so I'm going to. Yeah, that's that's what I was doing. <laughs> I wasn't sure. These things don't happen by accident, Levin. What? No. <laughs> Are you saying you got some talent over there? Small, lowercase talent? I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> but Ayuk has been getting open, and he's been getting open deep. Like, if you, you can go out on Twitter and look at the people that have pulled the video – from the all 22, you can see him getting completely wide open deep, but the ball doesn't come. There's been a few, and they actually connected on one this past week, but there's only been a few times that that's actually been where Jimmy goes with the ball. So there's a legitimate question on, do you go to that more because the pass defense is so bad and you don't have your underneath dominant guy in Debo? But I think there's also the question of, does that mean Shanahan needs to change the reads? Because in my opinion, that's why those passes have not happened. That's why Jimmy is not taking those shots deep. It's the head coach. The head coach has that low on the totem pole. So Jimmy's looking, okay, where's Kittle? Where's Debo? Where's Juice? And he's doing that. And between those first couple reads, he's finding something that's worth making the throw to. He's not even getting to that deep ball. Now, is that Kyle not wanting him to get to that deep ball on purpose because he doesn't trust Jimmy on the deep throw, which is a legitimate question? Or is it just Kyle is somebody that is so immensely confident in his own play calling ability that he says, I don't want to take the risk on a deep ball, which is even a open deep ball is still low probability if you look at overall catch because there's a whole bunch of reasons why it can end up not being complete because it's a hard, harder pass to make. I think Kyle has a very strong philosophy in himself. Take the six yards that I know you can get because my next play is going to be so great that we don't need that deep ball. Well, I don't, and you're doing a little head wagging thing as you say that. I don't know that it's necessarily that line of thinking with Kyle. I think it's like, look, you know, what do we always say about good coaching? It's putting your players in a position to succeed, playing to their strengths and, you know, making them do those things most often. And that's what he's doing with Jimmy. If that's, if that's the game plan, like you say, look short first and then, you know, only throw it deep kind of when you have to, 
That's not a crazy game plan. The weakest part of Garoppolo's game is the deep passing. So I get that if if that's the route that Kyle wants to go. Um, do you think that also part of this is a lack of confidence by Jimmy? You know, it's entirely possible he looks at things and says, look, this is my make or break year, right? If I win, as long as I don't screw this up, they're probably going to keep me around. How do I not screw it up? Take the five-yard gain, the six-yard gain, let my guys run after the catch, move the chains, and we score points. If I'm chucking the ball deep all the time, you know, potentially I could look a lot worse and maybe I have to find another job next year. That could be part of it. It could also be they don't want to get Jimmy getting hit. Both Jimmy doesn't want to get hit, so he doesn't look there. And Kyle is purposely not having him look at those deep, longer to develop routes because he doesn't want his quarterback to get hit because, I mean, what we've seen this year, we lose Jimmy. This offense is garbage. Not to say Jimmy is a crazy elite quarterback, but he it's clear. Let's put it this way. It's clear Nick and CJ are much worse. I mean, yeah, let's be honest. There's a lot of talk about whether Garoppolo's back next year, but regardless of him, they should have a new backup quarterback next year, should they not? I mean, you're telling me you can't do better than than Nick Mullins and CJ friggin' Bethard? Uh, I don't they should have a certainly a new third string person brought in, but Nick Mullins is so cheap and it's a backup quarterback. Okay, all right. You, right, you know I, what I mean? Like, but CJ should probably not be back. Like they sh- they should be Getting a guy, I would say they should draft a guy in the late rounds and bring him in to see if he can beat out Nick. So if you had to put an amount of money that matters to you on this this theory of yours, are you over or under 25 passes for Jimmy Garoppolo? Oh, I think he has over 25. Now, over 30? Uh, I would say I'm pretty confident he gets over 30. Wow, really? I mean, there, there, there is a factor here. The Niners could get down. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but even if they get down, like, I don't know that Kyle's going to just, you know, throw caution to the wind and let Jimmy throw it 50 times. Like, I don't. Well, then that's on Kyle, because if you're down and you're still not willing to pass against that pass defense, that's true. you're making a mistake. It's, it's almost funny, right? Because I feel like for most teams, the game script is get up early, especially if you can get a two score lead and then let your pass rushers go and eat. Well, the problem for the Seahawks is they don't have any of that. So the game script for them is like, don't screw it up so much that Russell can't lead us back in the fourth quarter is pretty much all your, all your goal is, right? Right. It, that's what happens when you have a truly elite quarterback. You just say, you know what, if it's close in the fourth, we're confident we're going to win. That's That's the advantage of an elite quarterback and why teams move on from above average quarterbacks at times to look for that elite one because getting an elite one completely changes everything for your team. In case you're wondering, Jimmy Garoppolo's high in pass attempts this year is he's had it in two games, 33 attempts. And both of those games were against NFC West teams. So it was against Arizona in week one and it was against the Rams. 33 pass attempts are Jimmy's high. You think he breaks that mark this week? Yeah, I would say I think he probably breaks that mark. I would be willing to bet that, put it that way. Uh, one more thing before we go. Uh, Nate Nelson brought this up earlier this week. If you did want to have a receiver take some of those Debo plays, you know, the jet sweeps and things like that, who do you put in that spot? Do you put Bourne in that spot or do you put maybe the long lost Dante Pettis in that spot? No, you put Ayuk. I mean, 
He's phenomenal after the run, and he's even faster than Debo. He doesn't quite have the power of running into people's faces like Debo does. <laughs> <laughs> did you see the clip, by the way, of Debo trucking Patriots and then laughing afterwards? Yeah, yeah I did see that. And Juice laughing at one point for – I think he was probably laughing more because he made a, a block that was great as Debo is seen in the background getting a bunch of yards. But, yeah, it's Ayuk. I mean, he did get – a few of those when mm-hmm. Debo was out to begin with. He's the guy. Bourne does not have the athletic ability to do that. Like, Bourne's exactly what I've been saying for multiple years. People like to try to talk about him as some starting quality receiver. No, he's a guy that you're ecstatic if he's your number four. If he's yeah. your number three, that's kind of where he's, you know, you're okay with it. If he's a starter for you, you don't have very good receivers. <laughs> And I mean, that sounds like a knock, but like, it's just, it's not, he is what he is. It's not. And what he is, is somebody that lacks the elite athleticism to be better than that. That's what holds him back. Kendrick Bourne does quite a few things really well, but he, he is slow, very slow by NFL standards. And that limits his upside and why he's not somebody that's going to be a starter or shouldn't be a starter on a good team. Having him do the end routes, heck no. Trent Taylor? Uh, no, not let, for those. Let, no. Let's be honest here. It certainly seems like he's not the same receiver that he was two years ago when he was healthy. He's not very good. Like, no, he's, he's not. just not. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Pettis get a couple of those, though, because he is, you know, he does have some vision as a ball carrier, and he wouldn't have to run over the middle to get those passes, which is the, something he just refuses to do. I don't, I don't think that's a crazy idea to throw him a couple of bones and see what happens. No. I mean, with all the injuries that have happened, he is the guy that has the, the most chance to shine all of a sudden because he was on his way out of this team. I think it was highly likely that he was going to be traded, and he still might be traded. But with the Debo injury, it might have saved his roster spot because he hasn't been dressing for games. Now he probably will, and you got to see what he can do. There's also the Richie James option, which, you know, I I don't think Richie James is some star receiver, but I do find it odd that he doesn't get more of an opportunity because the few times he has gotten an opportunity over the last couple of years, he's done something with it. Yeah, I've seen him make more big plays than Kendrick Bourne, that's for sure, but I feel like he's another guy that falls into that category where people love to talk him up, and I don't think he's as good as they think he is. But you're right. He has shown at least some penchant for making explosive plays. So we'll see. Um, really quickly before we leave, what is your score prediction for the game this week? I think it will be a higher scoring game, uh, especially with I think both teams are going to be passing. You know, the, the running back situation, the Niners have running back issues. So do the Seahawks. The Seahawks right now, they're, Carson's probably not going to be playing. Hyde has a hamstring issue issue that is making him a highly questionable. There's not a whole lot of info on that. Penny's not going to be back yet. I mean, they're not going to have a run game either. So they're going to be passing the ball like crazy. And I think the Niners are going to be passing. So this could be a game that not only has some big plays, but because it's passing, it means the clock doesn't tick constantly, which means there's more offensive plays. So there's more chances for points. It's not going to be one of these super quick games. 
So I think this is going to be both teams are getting into the high 20s. I think the team that gets into the 30s is going to win. You're going to make me pick, so I'm going to have to do it. Uh, I'm picking the Seahawks. Oh, no, you are? Sure. Look, I'm I'm a realist. Does the fan in me want to pick the Niners? Yes. Do I think the Niners have a chance to win? Certainly. But when you don't have a pass rush and you're going against an elite quarterback like Russell Wilson, good freaking luck. It's going to be uh, – <laughs> you know like, how it's going to be. It's a guy who can run. So you have that aspect of it that the Niners are horrible against. And then on top of that, he's like truly in the argument for the best quarterback in the league. And you're not going to have the pass rush to get him off his spot. He's going to have time to find guys. And he has guys to find. Yeah. it's. I mean, their offense is certainly rolling right now. By the way, the over-under is 54 for the game. And I'm definitely tempted to take the over. Um, but, well, I, I got to go with the Niners. I know I'm I'm trying to be a little more positive. I'm working on it. I'll go with the Niners. Um, I think that they will be able to run the ball and they will have more success throwing. I think Kyle's going to open it up a little bit this week. I'll take the Niners 35-30. What's 35? Yeah, 35-30. Seahawks 31, Niners 27. I think both teams have five scoring drives. It's just the Seahawks have one extra touchdown. That's pretty much all we've got for the Gold Standard Podcast. Uh, by the way, if you like what you're here, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Shout out to 49ers listener. Gave us a nice five-star review. Said, I love them all. Give me something new every day of the week. So thanks for that. If you leave a question in your review, we're happy to answer it, especially if you insult Levin when you do it. Any final words, Levin? Uh, while we're all great, I got to be honest. I said I'm a realist. This one is the best one. Yeah, take that, Akash. Take that, Kyle. Nate. Yeah. It's certainly it's certainly better than the ones that you bring on a guest and it's just you. I bring on awesome guests. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. But it's you. Like. <laughs> oh, I hurt his feelings, ladies and gentlemen. Do I just want to unleash a, spr- a string of swears that'll just be straight bleeps? Or do I just want to ignore that and move on? Uh, are are you going to be capable of doing the out here? I mean, uh, are you okay? No, I'm not. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that's all you. you. You said you're this mighty producer, so. You said I was a big boy. <laughs> you know what a producer's role is, especially, I would say, in that scenario where the talent is the thing. You know, PFT is Mike. It's not the same situation as, like, working at ESPN, where the talent might be a big name as you did, and you would know this better than anybody, but who you answer to is ESPN. I have to say, um, I have only ever gotten coffee for one person. (laughs) Do you want to know who it was? Well, I would guarantee you've gotten coffee for two people because you've gotten coffee for yourself, I would assume. You know what I mean. (laughs) The only person I ever had to get coffee for at ESPN was Mike Ditka. And he apologized to me when I brought it to him. He said, sorry for making you do that, which at the time I was 18. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? I just got coffee for Mike Ditka. I loved it. Did you say here's the coffee? No, no, man. No. (laughs) He would have punched me in the face if I did that. You think so? He doesn't like the duh thing? He he actually was one of the nicest people at ESPN. He was incredibly gracious to me. There was one time where we uh, taped a whole two-hour show, 
and someone, I'm not going to say who, may have screwed up the recording of that show and none of it recorded. So I had to go into the room and say, uh, coach, can you stick around for another two hours? Cause it, it didn't record. And I thought he was, you know, like, I thought that was the end of my days on this planet. And he was like, okay, let's do it again. He was awesome. This, this explains a lot for you at home. You do not know this, but every single time we start a podcast, Rob will hit record and then go, do you see recording down at the bottom of the screen? Shut up. <laughs> Just to make sure we're recording. <laughs> now I know the reason. <laughs> well, do you want me to text you in 20 minutes and say we need to do it again? No, I don't want to talk to you again. That's what I'm saying. All right, I'm done talking to you now. Enjoy the game, everybody. Please, please, please let us come back on Sunday with a happy recap. Go Niners.